Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As I often do during the week, I picked up one of the newspapers I subscribe to. Of course, not actual paper newspapers. We don't have a lot of those anymore, but online. And I was reading an opinion piece with the title, The Bullies Are Taking Over. And the opening paragraph went like this. We need to talk about the way we talk to each other, at each other. The public discourse has sunk to nauseating depths, and it's affecting more than our Twitter feeds. We are living what is increasingly a culture of meanness and bullying. And that bullying is infecting not just the public discourse, but the way our government operates. Now, that shouldn't come as a surprise to any of you. In fact, I wondered, in fact, why it was in a newspaper, because it has ever been thus. This is what it is like a human. In fact, Tertullian, one of the great African apologists for the Christian faith, way back a millennia and 700 years ago, this. It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead men to put a brand upon us, in other words, on Christians. See how they love one another, for they themselves are animated by mutual hatred. How they are ready even to die for one another, they say, for they themselves would sooner put to death. This is what it means to be a Christian to suffer the scorn of a world that prizes the one who can scrape and scramble and step their way to the top of the pile, never giving a second thought to the people they step on on their way there. But we don't want to be doormats, do we? That's what my mom always used to say to me. You don't want to be a doormat. You don't want to have people walking all over you. You need to stand up for yourself. You need to assert your rights. Don't let people step in front of you in line at the bank. In fact, a person in the United States, very prominent person, just a year ago, these words to a Christian and non-Christian gathering about the need for Christians to get over being doormat. We've been playing t-ball. You guys know what t-ball is, right? For half a century, while the other people, our opponents, are playing hardball and cheating, right? We've turned the other cheek. And I understand sort of the biblical reference. I understand the mentality, but it's gotten us nothing, okay? It's gotten us nothing. Except that it did. The world, when it gathered together every All Saints Sunday and heard those Beatitudes of Jesus, was shaped by the words that were given to John in the Revelation. Listen to what John had to say in his epistle. Held the bullies in check. Prized good triumphing over evil. And the holy was held up over that which was disgraceful. It was a world, at least within Christendom, where it was good to be a saint, where saint was not synonymous with loser. But now, 
we live once again in a world where the Beatitudes of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, hit us on the head, hit the world on the head, like an anvil dropped from the sky. They are every bit as shocking, or at least they should be, to your ears here and now as they were 2,000 years ago, because human nature has not changed. The way we think the world ought to operate has not changed. And God's disgust at our self-centeredness and what we think we need to do to one another to protect ourselves has also not changed. And so to be a follower of the preacher of the Sermon on the Mount, a follower of Jesus Christ, is every bit as weird now as it was back then. Blessed are you. Happy are you, honored by God are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Why would we be hated? Because the world hates losers. The world hates those who believe that being poor in spirit is a good thing. Is it not the proud and the brash and the charismatic that get noticed and get picked up by television stations and radio broadcasts and become social influencers on TikTok and on YouTube? How many humble TikTok people do you know, young people? Being a loser, like believing that being meek and humble is a good thing. Jesus says they will inherit the earth. Actually, the world says, you'll be the ones buried under it by us. Believing that hungering and thirsting for righteousness is a good thing. Why hunger and thirst for righteousness when you can eat filet mignon and drink champagne? Or even that being a peacemaker is a good thing. Those who strive to reconcile, those who strive to mediate, those who strive to bring people together are increasingly also seen as weak and as losers, not standing up for themselves, not going to the front of the line, not being noticed and brash. Being a Christian, being a saint, a holy one, Holy like unto one's Lord is holy. Means having the world look at you as a doormat, as a loser, as someone who simply does not get the program and does not really understand the way things work. And it has also always been thus. So much so that in an ancient catacomb, in Rome, scratched onto a wall of a cell, is a stick figure of a man kneeling in worship. And he is looking up at what is clearly a cross and a man with a human body nailed to that cross, but the head of a donkey, an ass. And scratched in Latin underneath this drawing is these words, Alex Samanos worships his God. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and hate you and persecute you for being mine. For so they prosecuted the prophets who were before you and the evangelists and the apostles and everyone who has insisted that we will not play by the world's rules because this is not the holiness of God. You will be hated for being kind. You will be hated for being animated by the grace of God in Christ Jesus instead of mutual hatred for one another, for being lovers of life in all its forms, unborn, elderly, handicapped, human life, creaturely life. All life is a sign of God's work in the world instead of being a celebrator of death in all its ugliness. Even the death that simply comes through the cutting word, the belittling sarcasm, the one-upmanship over others, the ill-advised comment on a social media page. You see, that's what holiness is. Holiness is looking for ways to bring grace when the world wants only ugliness. Holiness is being willing to be persecuted falsely and nailed to a cross that the world might, that some way, in some manner, by your death, the world might be saved. Instead of retaliating, calling for people to change their ways and be forgiven instead of fighting back. That is what saints are. Those who prize what the world despises. And that's why this is called the Great Tribulation. We are living through the Great Tribulation. But you see, we wash our robes in the blood of Jesus. We don't soak them in the blood of others, metaphorical or literal. We are privileged to be called children of God by our baptism into Christ, and we do not exclude others from that gift, but invite, indeed, urge the entire world to be reconciled to God through Jesus, through this preacher of these crazy words on a mountainside. To be holy is to be filled with the grace of God in the cross the persecution and death of Jesus. To be a saint is to know that we deserve nothing and yet have been given everything. To go out every day and through meekness and peacemaking and hungering and thirsting for righteousness, see God change the world. I can think of no better illustration of this in closing than from one of my favorite 1980s movies, Romero, which not everyone has seen because it was a Roman Catholic film and sort of an art house movie. It was not a big, splashy, charismatic Hollywood production. It was a Sermon on the Mount kind of movie. And it dealt with the story of Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador who was watching his country descend into chaos as the rich kept attacking the poor and as the poor were considering taking up arms and waging violent revolution against their oppressors. And in between, Bishop Romero saw himself and saw Jesus 
and saw the Sermon on the Mount and said, Lord, I do not know what to do. And there is a powerful moment in that movie where he literally has watched the death of friends, fellow priests, and he wanders off into the wilderness of El Salvador and falls on his knees and says, Lord, I cannot. Only you can. And after fasting and praying out this wilderness of El Salvador, he walks into a village and immediately the troops in the village recognize him for who he is and they surround him and they've come to arrest him. And the villagers crowd around him and surround him and he can sense what is that they're headed towards a bloodbath. He sees that the poor are willing to fight and that the soldiers are willing to shoot back. And in that moment, the spirit gives Romero the answer of what the church, what you and I need to do, what the Sermon on the Mount is all about and what it means to be a saint. And he gets a smile on his face and he stops and he looks at the soldiers and the people and says, do you have bread and wine? And one runs to get it, and he says to all of them, let us say Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And he begins simply to say the divine service. Because brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the only saints the world has. We are the only ones who have been given this treasure in Jesus Christ. We are the only ones who can go out into the world and say, call us a doormat all you want. Call us losers if it makes you feel better. We follow a crucified Lord who has redeemed us, in whose blood our robes have been washed, who has dared to call us his children, and we will show you a still more excellent way. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.